Welcome to Spring Creek Church Online. We're so glad you're joining us today. Today, I want to talk to you about life after the resurrection in our new series called Encore. As we get started, let's pray. God, we just thank you for this day that you have given us, Father. I pray for every person watching right now that you may bless them, Lord, that you may use them, that you may speak into their life, Father God, that they may ultimately have the greatest experience that they've ever had with you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've ever attended a concert, you've experienced an encore, hopefully. This is when the audience is requesting another appearance from the performer by yelling out encore, 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 meaning again and again and again in French. Though encores aren't as popular anymore, in the 19th century they were used as an instant replay because recorded music wasn't available. Encores would honor extraordinary classical musicians for extraordinary performances. According to the University of Missouri professor of music history, Michael Budd says, in, in the fine arts tradition, a performer will put on an hour and a half show of grand proportions and difficult material while the encore will exist simply to please attendees. What Christ did on the cross was of grand proportions and, and the most difficult and meaningful to all of mankind. And the time that Jesus spent walking on the earth after his death was simply to gather his followers and bring hope where hope seemed dead. Like Pastor Keith said, when all hope seems gone and the very light of the Son of God has been ex extinguished, God does what we least expect and brings light from darkness, hope from despair, life from death, and victory from defeat. Now, when I read the Bible, I like to imagine myself in the stories that I read about. I can't help but to imagine how I would have felt witnessing Jesus on the cross suffering. What would I have thought as Jesus called out his last words from the cross? Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Would all the hope I had for the promised Messiah die exactly at that moment? What would I have done after seeing him die? We can all wonder about how we would have reacted after his death, but God knew exactly what would happen when his only son died on the cross and how we would react to his death. But a better question is, what would your response be if you saw him die, but now you hear that he's alive? In the wake of Jesus' resurrection, the people who loved him, walked with him, and were discipled by him responded in conflicting ways to this revelation that Jesus was dead. They reacted with doubt, despair, hopelessness, grief, confusion, and wavering. In difficult situations, we, we just don't know how to respond. Jesus reminded the disciples that he is a good shepherd and that he would lay down his life for the sheep, which he did on that dreadful day. But Jesus knew what his followers would do after he died because it was prophesied by Zechariah in the Old Testament where he warns the people of Israel about the judgment that was about to come upon them. Zechariah says in 13:7, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And in the New Testament, as Jesus is trying to warn Peter that he will deny him three times, he says in Matthew 26, 31 through 35, he says, this very night, you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. He predicts that, that, that the followers will scatter each moving quickly without direction, going in all different random places. But even though he knows the shock of his death will cause them to scatter, he still gives them direction by telling them that he's going to Galilee ahead of them. He's saying, 
when you remember me and the promises that I have told you continue the path to Galilee. Jesus's death was foretold in the Old Testament. Jesus, is, uh, Jesus himself foretells his own death in the New Testament. And just like a good shepherd, he tells his follower how they will react to his death and gives instructions on what to do when he is actually put to death. And just like he predicted, he was right about all of it. Everything foretold about him and everything he said was 100% true. If we take a look at the events after Jesus's resurrection, we will see that the sheep did indeed scatter. They were lost without their shepherd. The Bible tells us about Mary Magdalene, who was the first person to witness the empty tomb and the first person to see and talk to the resurrected Jesus. She's mentioned in all four gospels of the Bible. She's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, not only because she was the first person to see Jesus, and, but, but, and, and not only because she was a woman, but because of her faithfulness, tenacity, and courage. Jesus meets Mary for the first time when he freed her of seven demons and restored her to her right mind. Because of her thankfulness to him, Mary followed Jesus for three years, witnessing miracles after miracles, but she also delighted in all of his teachings. When, when Jesus was arrested, Mary waited and watched while the disciples all scattered. She witnessed it all. Jesus's traumatizing experience, being tortured and then being hung on the cross. She must have been in shock and overwhelmed with grief from witnessing everything he went through. But through it all, she remained near him. From his arrest, through the crucifixion, until Jesus cries out his last words, she was a faithful follower of Jesus. Even after his death, a grief-stricken Mary continues to follow Jesus. She follows Joseph of, of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who, who placed him in a tomb and rolled the stone over. On the first day of the week after Jesus's body was placed in the tomb, Mary Magdalene goes with some, of, with some other women to anoint his body with spices. Mark 16, 3 says, they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? This stone could have been anywhere between one and two tons. But because of their tenacity, they go there knowing that they will not be able to roll the stone away themselves. In their grief, what could bring some comfort was being near the dead body of the Messiah and anointing his body with spices. Even the act of anointing his body was an act that was saved for the inauguration of prophets, high priests, and Jewish kings. We know that he, he was a prophet. He is our high priest going to the father on our behalf and he is our king. The anointing of sacred people and objects signified their being set apart and consecrated to the service of God. And the costly and fragrant mixture used for only this purpose was forbidden to be used in any other way. Anointing dead bodies was done to preserve them from the corruption and to reduce the smell of a decomposing body. But it was also an act of love and devotion. And that's why the ladies were there to anoint the King of the Jews, the Messiah, the one they love. The Bible says in Mark 16, that when the ladies arrived at the tomb, they saw the stone rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. And so they entered the tomb. I mean, let's get this straight right now. So the ladies are determined to anoint the body of Jesus and they go to a tomb that they couldn't open because it would have been too heavy and they would have needed several people to remove the stone. But Mary proceeds to enter the tomb through a small enclosure that was two and a half feet above the ground and two to three feet deep into a cave with shelves for dead bodies. Now listen, 
I would say that I'm a very tenacious woman. I'm not sure that I would crawl in a cave that, would, that had an entrance that was only two and a half feet tall. And I wonder how many tenacious women we have watching who refuse to give up and give in when there is an obstacle. There was nothing that was going to stop Mary from anointing the body of Jesus. And so Mary climbs in there because there is nothing that's going to stop her. And, 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 and when she finally crawls in, according to John 20, the tomb is empty and all she sees is strips of linen and the burial cloth. She goes to tell Peter and John and they run back to the tomb together. Peter goes into the tomb and sees the linen clothes just folded there. Then John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, goes into the tomb and the, and the Bible says in John 20 verses 8 and 9 that he saw and believed and they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. John believed Jesus was alive but could not figure out why or what would happen next. This statement, though it seems very contradictory, is so reflective of our walk with God. We believe Jesus is alive. We believe he is a good God. We believe the strict, the scriptures, and yet we don't know how, why, or what will happen next. We just have to keep moving forward, trusting and, and having faith in God. After seeing the empty tomb, Peter and John go home, but Mary is too determined. She's not going to go home. She hasn't done what she went there for, and she starts crying in front of the tomb. She bends over to look in the tomb and again sees two angels in white sitting uh, where Jesus's body is supposed to be. John 20 verses 13 through 15 says, they asked her woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At, at, at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Verse 15. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? I feel like this is a baiting question. Jesus is asking her a question similar to the question he asked Peter before he dies. And he says to Peter, who do you say I am? Jesus is looking to see if Mary understands that he is the risen Messiah. The verse continues uh, in 15. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Now, I don't know if she said that in a sassy way, but I feel because Mary is so tenacious that she might have said that in a sassy way. I love Mary's persistence. Her drive to get Jesus is so evident. Even though she thinks he's dead, it's her dedication, loyalty, her gratefulness and love for him that keeps her adamantly looking for Jesus. I have a couple of questions for Mary. Girl, where are you going to take this body and how are you going to get him there? I mean, how are you going to pick up his body and take it to where it needs to go? This sheep is not giving up on her shepherd. Verse 16 says, Jesus said to Mary, Jesus called out her name and he says, Mary, and his voice triggered her. It was familiar. The tone and tenderness of his voice identified himself to her. Jesus was right when he said in John 10, 27, my sheep will listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And this is exactly what's happening right now. Mary heard his voice and she recognized her shepherd. The Bible says in verse 16, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, 
for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus tells her, don't keep the good news to yourself, but go and tell. At this moment, Mary has a choice. She can keep the news to herself or she can go and tell others, even though during that time, the testimony of a woman was of no legal value in ancient Jewish society. Let's see, keep the secret or tell everyone the good news, even though they probably won't believe you or respect you because you're a woman or even worse, they'll ignore you. I'm, I'm sorry, Mary, but I totally can't relate to that whatsoever. Matthew gives another perspective of the story in, in Matthew 28, verses 8 through 10. And he said, So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Mary, with all that perseverance and determination, went to the disciples with the news and said, I have seen the Lord and told them everything that Jesus said to her. Luke 24 tells us that when the women told the disciples that they had saw the Lord, the disciples did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Mary teaches us that, that what matters most is that we walk in obedience no matter how the world receives the message. If someone can't receive the good news because it came from a woman, then that's the heart only God can fix. Mary went to the tomb after Jesus' death because her encounters with Jesus were greater than her grief. Mary told the disciples that she saw and spoke to Jesus because her encounters with Jesus were greater than her fear. The fact that God chose women to reveal himself after the resurrection and that he chose women to go and tell reflects the gospel's power to go beyond gender restrictions. Even though the sheep were scattering in random directions, Mary and the women's grief led them to look for the shepherd, to be close to the shepherd, to honor him with their resources, time, and worship. In Luke 15, 4, Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in, in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And though in this specific instance, he's specifically talking about sinners who repent. But just as Jesus focuses on the individual, he does the same for each disciple as he gathered the scattered sheep after his death on the cross. On the same day, Mary and the women had their encounter. Two of the disciples were on their way to Emmaus. They were talking about all the things that had happened concerning Jesus and how he was conspired against and put to death. All of a sudden, Jesus walked alongside them and joined them on the road. The Bible says in Luke 24, 16, that, that they were kept from recognizing him. It's not that, that, that they would not have recognized Jesus. Jesus was not a stranger to them. God kept them from recognizing him until God was ready for his son to be revealed. God brings revelation in his perfect timing. Jesus is not being mean, but his slow revelation of himself is providing a teaching moment for the two disciples. It's allowing them to learn some lessons about trusting God's promises. The disciples had been told about these events many times, but even after walking with Jesus, they still couldn't conceive how they could come to pass. The slow revelation requires them to remember God's word while trusting what he says will come to pass. 
You see, as we remember God's promises, we should trust and rest in them. Luke 24, 17 tells us that Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still and they were both looking sad. They looked sad because their hope had been buried in the tomb provided by Joseph. These two disciples thought Jesus would, would set up a political kingdom that would free them from Roman control. To them, his death was a tragedy because they were blinded by their own expectations, which led to their feelings of hopelessness. Sometimes our own expectations can blind us from seeing what God is really doing. Their hopelessness led them to return home in the direction away from Jesus. Luke 24 tells us one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus says, what things? And Cleopas is like, dude, where have you been? Everyone is talking about what happened to Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus was asking them to tell them of the events of his death so, so, so that they could bring to remembrance all the things that the word said about the Messiah and all the events that align with the prophecies. He wanted them to remember what he said as he walked with the disciples all those years. But when they described Jesus, they described him as a prophet, meaning they didn't have a full understanding of who Jesus was. So they go on to tell Jesus that some women they know had gone to the tomb where they had saw a vision of angels who had told them that Jesus was alive. Jesus starts to address their misconceptions with a rebuke. He says in Luke 24, 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all, and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. The more mature you are in your faith, the less we rely on our personal experiences and feelings and rely on the infallible, inerrant word of God. Jesus goes back to the word to debunk the misconceptions, just like he did when he was fasting in the desert for 40 days and the devil came to him to tempt him. His defense was the word. He is showing us that it is only his truth that can kill a lie. What Jesus is revealing to the two disciples is that if they were unable to put the events and scripture together, the issue is lack of faith in God's promises. They were slow to believe because they had no faith. As they were getting closer to Emmaus, Jesus acted like, like, like he was just going to keep going on his journey. Some of you are probably wondering why, why would Jesus act like he was going to keep going on his journey if he actually wasn't? Well, revelation comes to those who desire it and whose hearts are ready for it. If, if the two disciples asked him to stay with them for the evening, then it proved that they wanted to know more about Jesus as the Messiah. Their hearts were ready for revelation because in Luke 24, it says when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. It is in the intimacy of fellowship that Jesus is recognized. As Jesus sits at the table, takes bread, blesses it, breaks it and gives it to them, their eyes were opened. Sitting at that table felt familiar like the last supper and the disciples realized that they have been talking with the Lord himself the whole time. 
This meal shows them that Jesus is present and is known when his disciples remain close to him. Their confusion is gone and they finally have clarity to what is really going on. It is through sitting with Jesus in silence and listening to him that we really get to know him. All of a sudden, the entire discussion on the road makes sense. They can now appreciate that he is with them. Finally, because they were aware of their encounter with Jesus, Luke 24, 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The scriptures reignited their hearts for the Lord and they were able to see Christ with fire in their hearts. They were, they, they returned to the gathering of the disciples in Jerusalem. And when they arrived, uh, they, they, they heard the disciples saying the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Just one sentence about Jesus appearing to Simon, just one. We don't know what they talked about. But I'm sure it's exactly what Peter needed to hear. I'm sure Jesus was kind. I'm sure he was tender. I'm sure he was reassuring. I'm sure he said, Peter, I forgive you. Now go and tell. It is becoming clear to all in the community that Mary Magdalene and the women were right after all. Jesus validates their testimony and he is alive and their hope remains in him. I want to end off with this. Jesus's appearance to his followers after the crucifixion was the best encore ever for all time, hands down. There are instances when, 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 when performers don't perform in an encore. Like sometimes they just run out of time so they can't perform the encore. Sometimes the audience is not demanding an encore. No one is yelling encore. No one is clapping. No one wants to hear them anymore. And then sometimes the artist refuses to give an encore. The refusal to give an encore by a famous artist led to one of music history's most iconic quotes. Elvis Presley never played an encore. It was his tactic to leave the audience wanting more. To kill the expectation of an encore, Elvis's manager made sure that they made an announcement at the end of each of his concerts saying, you guessed it, Elvis has left the building. Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't leave the building. Jesus didn't want to leave us unsatisfied, filled with doubt, despair, hopelessness, grief, confusion, wavering, and unbelief. Like a good shepherd in Ezekiel 34, 11, and 12, he says, the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered and on the dark and cloudy day. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. Like Mary Magdalene and Peter and John and Cleopas and all of the other disciples, Jesus will search for you when life rocks your world and we scatter like sheep with no direction. The question is, what do you do when you've lost hope? Do you yell encore, encore, encore like Mary and move in the direction of the Savior? Or do you leave early like Peter and John? Or do you just go back home like Cleopas and the other disciple? Even when we think the show is over and all hope is gone, Jesus is always ready for an encore, whether we want one or not. 
And because we know that he is a good and faithful God, we feel our hope dying and our faith fading. All we have to do is yell and applaud, encore, 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 again, 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 and he will show up and show out each time. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this day that you have given us, Father. We just thank you that you are a faithful God, Lord, that that in the midst of those moments where we feel like there was no hope, Father, where our dreams have died, Lord Jesus, when our expectations haven't been met, Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Father, that you remain enough for us, Lord Jesus, that you never leave us with, 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 with a desire, Lord, that you can't fulfill, Lord Jesus, that we know that when we draw closer to you, Lord, that we remain satisfied, God. We thank you for this this day that you have given us, Lord. We thank you for this word that you have spoken into our lives, Father. I just pray for each person, whoever they are, if you need hope right now, God is with you. He is listening to you. And all you have to do is call out his name. Father, we thank you. And we pray all these things in Jesus's name. Amen. Guys, we will see you next week. Don't forget, we're going to be encore part two. What next? We'll see you next Sunday.